le balelwa palani re nna mo lepolole mo botswana Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, it's not done yet. Oh, no. That's it. That is it. It's awesome. Praise God. You know, uh, Operation Christmas Child is, is, a, is something that we're, we're big into, um, and we, we've got an astronomical goal. We... <laughs> um, it, we, we, we had about 200 and something boxes last year. How many was it last year, Mary? Do you remember? 200 boxes, and, and we're shooting for 1,000. So I know that's a big goal, and, um, and that's going to cost us about $15,000. So that is a big goal because we're at about $2,000 mark. So thank you for giving because this is, um, this is normally over Thanksgiving, but we have to pack the boxes by then. I forget what date we're going to do a big big box packing thing. So I just want to encourage you. Thank you for being part of us. And, and um, it's funny that they picked, I didn't know that the, which video they were going to use for Operation Shoebox, but it's, there's so many of these stories. Now, Botswana was, is right on the northern border of South Africa. I've, drive, I've driven through Botswana. I know Botswana pretty well. One of my best friends that I used to travel with was at Botswana. And I have loads of stories from Botswana. And that's very common over there. So in Botswana, I can say, which means thank you. We thank you if you, if you speak Tswana. And so I've got little bits of Tswana that I've learned over the years. I've also got some um, stories about how I nearly ran an elephant up in northern Botswana, which, you know, yeah, there are lots of, there are lots of elephants up in northern part of Botswana. And, um, yeah, um, I was nearly charged by an elephant. I nearly ran over an elephant. I... Uh, one day I was camping because we were stuck at a border post that I wanted to really lash out with my flesh and kill a few people at the border post because you never have officials like some border officials. And uh, one day um, I woke, we, me and my Tswana friend uh, Andris, we were, we were staying in a, in, a, in a tent and woke up with noise outside and literally there was an elephant from here to there. I could literally almost touch his backside. So... That was, uh, so I've got lots of Botswana stories with elephants, so that's one of my, <laughs> one of my Botswana. But um, 
you know, it's just it's just a beautiful thing. Thank you for thank you for being part of that. And and um, like we've said before, you know, that I know Mary's been doing that and and uh, doing those little bits and pieces. But but um, you know. I love Operation Shoebox because they use that to preach the gospel. It's not just about giving them a kid a box of gifts. It's about preaching the gospel. And that's, that's what I'm, I, really, I really love about that project. But as we always say, only, only do what uh, the Lord puts in your heart. Amen. Amen. So um, I just had a couple things on, on my heart. But, but um, just... Uh, I, I had a, a word in my heart. I felt like somebody over here, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes, just a sec, just, uh, just connect with your heart. And if you're online, if you're on, there, on that person online, um, I felt real heaviness for somebody. Maybe it's more than one person. Um, but I felt a real heaviness on my heart for somebody that's carrying a lot of stuff day to day. It's like the baggage you came in. And, and perhaps today, more than normal, you felt... You felt like it, it, your feet were like lead, and that you were, you were, they were like balls, like those, those uh, ball and chains that you were dragging along. And the word of the Lord to you is that that is not real. That is not real. That is not real. You have a fresh day today. Paul said this. He said, forgetting what is behind, we press on to what lies ahead. I want to remind you and everybody that today is a new day. History is gone. Look up to me, look up with me for a second. Your history is gone. Yesterday, in fact, this morning breakfast is gone. You have nothing. You have nothing that you need to be ashamed of, nothing that you have to carry with you, no matter what it is. God has set you free, and I speak of that freedom to you. Amen. If we can live in the liberty of knowing that we can live in the present, live towards the future, look towards the future, but stay present, and don't keep looking in the rearview mirror. Rearview mirror looking is good because it reminds us what we have, and it's a good to look back and to learn from, but it's a terrible. Have you ever tried to drive from the rearview mirror? It ain't good. Don't try and drive looking at the rear view mirror. It's not a good place to drive from, amen? So forgetting what is behind, we press on. Tracy, have you got something on there? What's, is there something happening? Okay. What's, I don't have a mic with me. Would you grab a mic? There's to you. I wasn't going to share this picture, but, and I missed my window with tea, but now I'm feeling super prompted by what you're saying. So during worship... Um, I saw somebody facing this direction and you were uh, feeling so far from the Father and numb and distant. And all you did was turn this way and the Father's face was right there. He wasn't far, he was right there and your face was next to his. And you became like a toddler and you we're feeling his face and kissing his cheeks and kissing him all over like a two-year-old. And I felt that that was a statement of what Shannon just shared. All you have to do is turn. It doesn't take a long time. You don't have to grovel. You don't have to 
crawl back to the Father, he's right there. He was just right in your face. It was so sweet. Don't wait. Just turn. The past is gone. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank Amen. You. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know the, the reality is, if that is something that I'm, I'm actually fascinated with. I, I once did a study on a man who had severe um, memory loss. And it was actually very interesting because you know that the whole of your life is wrapped up in memory. And when you actually take it, take, if, if you can truly um, live and renew your mind to who God made you and forget what is behind, it can totally radically transform your life. If you can believe, reckon yourself, as we said in our last series, reckon, count yourself dead to sin, see yourself as a dead person raised to life, see and learn to live in the future and looking forward in the, sorry, live in the present, looking forward to the future. It can radically transform your life. But so many times the world tells us your identity is based in your history. Your identity is based on your failures. Your identity is, and we believe that. We live as though that is true. We live as we look at our qualifications, we look at our birthright, we look at our social standing, we look at the color of our skin, we look at our nationality, we look, we can, you can name it on, carry on naming it. But if we can, if we can and we can, <laughs> we can consider ourselves dead to sin, we can, cons- we can put the past behind us, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting, we can learn and say, Lord, I'm not going to choose to count that. And it's not truly forgetting in the sense like you have no memory. Else, but it's not giving that thing value. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't give that thing value. It doesn't matter what happened to you. I'm telling you, there's people that have had tragedies in life. This is not anywhere where I was planning on going. There's people that are, they have people that have got tragedies that they're suffering in life or have suffered in life. And one person causes and uses that as an excuse to live a miserable life. And another person says, that is why I'm not going to suffer that any longer. I'm not giving that anymore. So don't do yourself the disfavor and your children and your people are around you from doing yourself a, and living a miserable life. Choose to put the past behind you. It is your choice. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the power. God has created and given us a brand new identity in the great exchange in 2 Corinthians 5. We t- he took all our sin. He, we, gave, he gave, we have his righteousness. Man, exchange makes it all different. But to realize that takes some effort, right? We've got to get that truth. We've got to paint that picture so that it's, it's our emotional reality. I don't want your doctrine. Don't tell me what you say you believe. What is your emotional reality that you're connecting to? Because yes, doctrine is important. Yes, the truth is important. But what are you emotionally connecting to is going to make a difference in how you feel every day. It could be true. It, it is true. <laughs> but if you don't live in that, if you don't realize it, if you don't take that and, and, and personalize that, then you can't live in the reality of that freedom that Christ has set you free with, right? So, and that, that's, you know, that's a combination of a whole bunch of series that we can talk about. That <laughs> don't mean to, to be, but, but that, if you're, if you're that person, I just speak freedom over you. 
And that word of God is just life for everybody. It's not just one person. If you're online watching this, you can just close your eyes and say, Lord, I take that freedom right now. I choose, I choose not to attach my identity to my past. I choose to step into Christ and identify with what he has given me, who I am in Christ. That will, that will, that will set you free like nothing else. That, let me tell you, is the ministry of deliverance. There is no such thing as a ministry of deliverance. You can search the Bible. It's just stepping into Jesus, forgetting and dying to self and break. That is deliverance. That will set you free. I promise you. I promise you. That will bring freedom like no other. It will change your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I also just had a, just a, an impression on... on um, on the throne room, you know, just uh, as I was, as, as we were worshiping here, and I just agree with T, just so grateful for our worship team, just connecting hearts, and all of you all, because it does take a congregation that decides to step into the presence of God, and you know that we know that God doesn't leave us, He's always here, we don't, He doesn't come down because we worship just right, and step into the room, that is, it's got to do with our experience, when we choose, when we choose to step into His presence. But as we were doing that this morning, I felt the Lord, um, I, I just saw the throne room, you know, uh, and, and I, was like, I was like, man, we have so much to look forward to. The throne room that we look forward to is not a great white throne judgment of whether you're going to make it or not. That is for unbelievers, for people who have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, great white throne is not for you. But it does say that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone. Praise God. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. Man, that's just so, such a powerful truth. Anyhow, hallelujah. Um, so for my announcements now, sorry, <laughs> backwards <laughs> note. I, just, I did want to mention that um, we're doing that To Be Remembered event this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, with Lance and Sean, and, and we've spoken about it for the last few Sundays. Um, remember, that's going to be about pre being prepared. Um, it's going to be awesome. That, um, uh, Lance and Sean are going to, like I said, it's just going to be, it's, it's, we've assigned two hours because we've got a snacks beforehand at 9 o'clock. We're starting in, um, at 9.30 with the actual presentation uh, from 9.30 to 10.30, and then we'll have some more food because I know we all like food. Right, and stuff like that. And so that'll, that'll happen at 10.30, and you'll be able to ask um, Lance and Sean questions because they are a wealth of information. Lance, we appreciate you, sir, for night, and we just, we honor you, sir, just because of who you are in our community. Thank you for all you do and have done for so many of us. Thank you. Thank you very much. But um, I know that I've had some of my mom and dad are in Texas, and they say, man, we're going to miss it. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll make sure that... Um, people be able to, to hear it one way or another. But it, it's, it's going to be great information, something that we can all be prepared with. Being prepared for our next step gives the whole family peace. It's something that you do, not just for you. It does something that you do for somebody else. Amen. So it's one of the greatest things of, of love that you, can, that you can do. So just um, um, I wanted to mention that. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, well, this morning I wanted to um, carry on with my third part on the blessing of obedience. Um, you know, uh, this, this series, I had to set in context because to a grace person, immediately they, they thought, and I spoke about this in the first 
the first um, and a little bit in last week as well, the first part. But this has not got to do with qualifying. The blessing of obedience that we've spoken to do has got nothing to do with earning anything from God. It's very important that we understand dead works are what we try and do to get God to respond to us. If you try, if there's anything that you try and do to get God to respond to you, you're in dead works. There is nothing that you can do to make God do something for you. And I know if you've only heard part of this, it's going to be a little bit of a twist. But it's like, be careful, because dead works is trying to earn something from God where the reality is, as we know in the exchange, as I've said many times before, in Christ we have everything. In everything that he earned, we are a co-heir while we are in Christ. He took all our sins... All our iniquity, it says in Isaiah 53, very clearly, he was punished for them. In him, we have this inheritance. And I said last week that faith is not looking forward and asking God for something. Oh, God, please, won't you? It's looking backwards and saying, Jesus, did Jesus earn it? If Jesus did it in him, I have all that I have. That all that I need for life and godliness is him, right? So, so we, we, we've spoken about that. And in, in, different, in different capacities. But, but so walking in obedience, though, um, as we said, is, is this, this word shema is to, um, is to hear and obey. It's translated, the Greek, the Greek word, I mean, sorry, Hebrew word shema is hear and obey. It's about being in a place where you're able to hear God and be obedient to God allows you to walk in his obedience. And his walking in his obedience, in the first week we spoke about how it brings your life blessings. You walk in his blessings when you walk in his ways. He says, this is the way I want you to walk because this is the good way. This is the good way. And, and in the New Testament, it talks about this in Galatians and, and in somewhere else it says, let's walk in, walk in the way of the spirit and not in the flesh, right? We don't want to walk in the way of the flesh, but we can. We can. We can walk in the way of the spirit or we can Walk in the flesh. It, it really is our choice. And so if you want to experience blessings and you want to walk in blessings in your life, if you want to experience the blessings of, of, of what God has for you, you've got to do things His way. It's, it really is that simple. I'm not saying that makes you impervious to any kind of attack. And I'm not talking about demonic attack. I'm talking about the stupidity of the drunk driver who chose to drink, drive drunk. Or the murderer like Cain who used a rock. Okay? And that's why we, we've got to go where, we, where you know I'm going to go with this. But, but you, it is as simple as if God says do it this way and you don't do it that way, it's pretty stupid. And, and, I, and I mean, and it also gives you confusion because it's kind of like doing this. God, I really expect you to give me some health. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for health. Thank you, Jesus, for health. I'm not feeling real well. <laughs> oh, God, please, won't you heal me? Oh, Lord Jesus, heal me.
Does that look stupid? I hope so, because that's what we do. Lack of knowledge, if we, if we live in a lack of knowledge, right, we can bring death in our life. We can usher in death in our life. So, we, we, we have to, because there's this, I, I, we absolve ourselves, and this is where religion is so dangerous. Religion is, is not who we are. Religion is not what it's about. I, 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 I'm sorry I don't want me to pick out on certain denominations, and let me just be very clear. We, we can be religious right here at Lake Haven. Okay? As soon as we start making methods and formulas, and, or you in your life make a method and a formula to try and get something from God, it, it, that's why it's called dead works. It brings death. If you try and make a method and a formula, so we can point our fingers at stained glass windows or worshiping of saints or worshiping Mary or doing unscriptural, other, uh, adopting certain things, but, but if, we, if we don't, Embrace these things. If we, we, if we say, oh, well, you know, my, my pet peeve, of course, is the, the God is in control, pushing it away. Like we, we live in this realm like God's will is automatically done because, quote, unquote, he is sovereign. That, that is a lie from the pits of hell. Now, to a religious ear, you think that I'm saying God is not all-powerful. That's not what I'm saying. And that's why we have to always deal with this topic. Because you have to root out that little religious belief, because it's more than a little religious belief. It's an extremely poisonous belief that, will, that creates a, an entire view of God that is absolutely false. I believe it's a, it's a teaching that is from the very pit of hell that will bring destruction in your life. Oh, and, and because it sounds so God, it sounds so nice. Oh, God is in control. That's why he killed your daddy. Because daddy needed an extra flower in heaven. Or that's why God gave your child cancer and had to die at four years old. And we, we say all these things because we don't know the character and nature of God. We, we, we claim we do, but we've, that if you read the Bible, and we'll go through some of those scriptures this morning. It is not the character and nature of God. And we have, to be, we have to be established. We have to be grounded in this truth. Now, as we walk in the spirit and not in, 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 the, <laughs> in the flesh, we, we know that these walking in, in this way of obedience, that God is always going to bring life, and he's always going to bring light, and it's always going to be motivated by your foundational truth, which we often speak about, which is God's love. We, it has to be. Now, uh, that's why we spoke about this in the previous series, about what's your, your big, hairy, audacious truth. You have to be rooted and grounded in the understanding that God is love and that he loves every person. Yeah. Romans tells us, right, in, 5, 8, 5, in Romans 5.8, it says that while we were still sinners, he loved us. While we were still sinners, God has loved us. But this, this idea that God is always in control. It absolves me or you or each one of us or what this religious thing that, that it's beyond my control. It's up to God. It's God's fault. Or, of course, 
The other ditch we do is it's the devil's fault. And they're almost as bad as one another. Why? Because then it takes the authority and responsibility out of your hands. Where it should lie, and you understand it is my ability to receive from God, hear from God, listen and obey and follow his way. When you understand that truth, it will give you immense power in life. Immense power in life. Because, oh, well, hold on a second, it's got nothing to do with God anymore. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, amen. Because it's got to do with you, you know. So we're going to go through um, a, a, a couple of scriptures here because we, we have to um, just knock this out. But, um, well, I wanted to say this about walking in love. In Romans uh, verse 13.10, Love does no wrong to her neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. This obedience, love is the fulfillment of the law. If we're going to obey anything, understand that it's love that is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the very motivation, motivating factor that causes us to want to do any of the stuff that we see in, in the Word of God. We're not doing it because God tells us to do it. We're not doing anything. We're not doing the Ten Commandments or anything we're not doing any of those things to earn righteousness. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous two messages, please do that. We cannot get righteousness from our actions. You aren't going to get favor from God. You're not going to earn anything by obedience from God. Right? But when we're in love with God, that is our true motivation. We fall in love with God, and when we're in a relationship with God... That is the core motivation. Because we are so persuaded in love, love does no harm to its neighbor, as it teaches in the scripture and in many others. Love fulfills the law. When you're walking in love, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to steal from somebody you love. You're not going to commit murder, etc., etc., because love will fulfill the law. If you, fulfill, if you are loving, you're going to fulfill the law. It's as simple as that. It's not about being legalistic to try and earn something. Okay, so hear me soundly, okay? So um, here, when we go into, into um, this destructive belief, is God in control? Um, you know, I've heard people say this. Um, you know, God will give you sickness, ill health, disease. He maims, kills. And then, of course, they say the, he's trying to teach me something. He is trying to teach me something or he caused something in my life. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that we think that. But, but I, must admit, <laughs> I must admit, I believe that stuff because it sounded good. It sounded like, well, you know what? We're saying that God is sovereign and God's all-powerful. So, you know, because the fact that I'm not experiencing it and, quote-unquote, we believe that God is in control must mean that he is the one either causing it, quote-unquote, or allowing it. No. So, how about these? Um, would God allow this? What monster would, if God would allow any tragedies, let's use something practical. I don't know, like, like I said, the four-year-old who dies of cancer. Do you, do you think that God allowed that? Do you think that God wanted that? And, and I know I'm speaking rhetorically somewhat because we'll go into it. Because if God 
caused or allowed it, why would he ask us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? If his will for us is to say, listen guys, pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do you think that there is death, sickness, disease, destruction in heaven? So why does Jesus ask us to pray that way? If we think God is behind it, if we think God is trying to teach us something, we shouldn't be going to the doctor if you're sick. Because then you're trying to get out of the will of God. If God is teaching, and, and most people who say God is teaching them something with sickness or disease or teaching somebody else, they can't tell you what God is teaching you. Sickness and disease does not add anything to your life. Now, when we talk about sovereignty, we've got to be real careful because sovereign doesn't mean that God isn't all-powerful. Sovereign, God is, God is still the almighty God, but he has bound himself into his word. He is faithful as we'll read. And so, so just some thoughts. Okay. So why do many insist that God controls all things when he can't even control them? If he didn't control Eve from eating the fruit or Adam or Cain, how can he control the guy in the road driving, his, driving drunk? Or the guy consuming too much whatever. Substance abuse. You, you can name whatever it, it wants to. If God is behind that thing, who exactly does God control? The storms. That's my pet peeve. One of my pet peeves. So was God controlling the storm that Jesus stilled? Did he create the storm that Jesus stilled? When you drive the speed limit, or don't drive the speed limit, if you choose to speed up, or speed, or, is it God that made you go faster than the speed limit? Does he make you always, does he make you always act in love? No. Of course, the choice is us. We get to, where, why this is so important is because if, like last week we said, if we don't understand the power of the gospel and that it's up to us to go to Botswana, up to us to go to Tavares or to Apopka or to Umatilla, it's up to us to take the good news of the gospel. If we stay in that little place where we're saying, oh, well, God's going to do it because his will is automatically done. Do you see how that belief will immediately defeat us? It will keep us paralyzed because, oh, well, God's going to take care of it. God's going to do it because his will is done as long as, and then we say, well, we just pray. And then we pray, though we don't pray as we ought to pray. We're not saying, God, please, as, as I said last week, won't you do this? And I said, T.L. Osborne had two very wise comments. God cannot do what he has already done or asked you to do. God told us to go into the world. He, told, he gave us the gospel to go and preach in. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So we can't. We waste our time, as I said last week, if we're saying, oh God, please won't you save the Botswanians. God has done everything within his power to seek and save the lost. Will everybody respond? No. Why? Because there's this thing called free will. 
It's not willing. It says in 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Does everybody come to repentance? But God is one. That's what he wants. Yeah, it says in Acts 17, God commands all people everywhere to repent, to change their mind. God commands it. Does everybody repent? No. So, in short, Genesis 1, 26. Let's go there quickly. Famous, we're going to just see. God, we'll see in um, Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, right? So there God says, let them have dominion. Let's look at Psalm 115, 16. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Let's look at Psalm 8, 4 to 6. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly God, Elohim, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and have put all things under his feet. Under whose feet? And it's talking about mankind. Just FYI. Go and study those. This is not under just Christian people today. What happens if mankind on the other side of our country is doing something and pouring this into our rivers and into our drinking water? What happens if the cancer that's killing your kid was caused by that? Whose fault is that? It's ours. It's ours, people, not God's. Now, I know we don't like to hear that because it's way easier to point to God and say, oh, well, God, we can do this. Now, we have promises from God, and I'm getting to that because we've got to understand our role as a believer, we have authority. We can live above these things if we do and walk in His ways. If we hear his spirit, if we follow what the spirit says, if we follow the guidelines of the word of God. But you know that you have a personal responsibility and we have a community responsibility. One of us can't go to Botswana. It takes a bunch of us to send one person to Botswana for argument's sake. Right? One of us can't. We do this job as a body. As a, that's why I think it's so demonic that, that this whole COVID thing has caused such separation. Because separated people are easy pickings. United we stand, divided we fall. If we cannot get together and on the same page, we can't take care of the guy pouring poison into our rivers or doing other things, or we can't do what Jesus told us as a community to do. Say, hey, let's get together and send so-and-so who's got a passion to go into the world. Let's go and get behind them, and let's send them to the Middle East. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. So we've got to send them according to Romans 10. Remember Romans 10? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call unless they first believe? How can they believe unless they first hear? 
How can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? And how can somebody preach unless they are sent? Somebody's got to be a sender. Somebody's got to be a goer. Somebody's actually got to open their mouth and preach so that people can hear the gospel and be saved. That is our job, people. Jesus said that's the job he gave us, the body of Christ, was, listen, guys, all authority, Jesus started Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth is mine, and so I'm sending you. Go, therefore, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Guys, church, us as a body, Lake Haven, this, this, is, a, this is a place for two things. One, for us to grow mature, to sharpen iron. One, every, I'm only a piece of the puzzle here. You are a, pu- you are a puzzle piece. You are a, you are a contributing part of the body. So we need, we need to, 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 to be you, to be the eye or the ear or the hand or whatever, not just in the corporate sense of the body of Christ, uh, universally speaking, but in the local sense. Not, it's, so it's for us to come to maturity and to us to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen? If you don't do your part, we all suffer. I, I, want, you, I want you to understand the, 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 the magnitude of the responsibility because it is your responsibility you have a responsibility when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and you called him Lord, he means he's Lord. That means, by the way, just to throw something in you really don't really like to hear, you do not have the right to your own opinion. You may like to give it on Facebook. And, and I don't mind you giving your opinion, on, but understand, you have an opinion, and every human is born with an opinion. But I'm telling you, when you call Jesus Lord, you say, I will submit mine to you. I'm going to hear what your opinion is, and I'm going to adopt and learn and accept. And Now, I know that goes over like a lead balloon. Because, but listen, if we are going to serve Jesus as Lord, if we want to do what Jesus wants us to do, we're going to have to do it the way he says it. There's just no way around it. We can, we can it, part of this awakening that we're walking into, and I'm, it's not a revival. We aren't going back to the book of Acts. We're not going back 2,000 years to go and relive those mistakes and repeat these next 2,000 years just the way it's happened. We're going to learn from what we have learned we, aren't, we are putting to death the things that are supposed to die, and we're being raised to new life to go the next step. We're learning from the past. We're moving on to what lies ahead. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now listen to me, and, I'm, and I know this is challenging, but you listen to your heart and listen to what the Spirit of God tells you in your heart. And I know, listen, I know, I know that everything in us wants to blame the pastor, and I don't mind. You, you can blame me, but the problem, the problem is... The problem is that if you wake up five years from now, ten years from now, and you're still blaming anybody, you haven't changed. It doesn't matter who it was or what their issue is. It could be a very valid excuse. But if you hold on to your excuse, it disempowers you. It takes away your authority. 
it makes you that quote-unquote victim mentality, and suddenly victim mentality will always blame, and, and you never grow. You are stuck. You will never be able to take the next step in Jesus because you always say, but it's their fault, and they did that to me, and it was the government, and it was Biden, or it was Trump, and it was this, and it was that. It's like, for Pete's sake, people, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Whatever happens there, we, we have a little bit of a role to play. I, for Pete's sake, please vote in the next election as God leads you. Please get into it because your vote counts. Your action counts locally in a community as one another. When, when you have a word, when you need to share a word, that's not just for you. That is for people to hear. Each joint supplies. It says that, that, that when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, each one is given a gift for the profit of with all. That gift is a gift, people. You can't take credit for it. I don't care how magnificent it is or if you can raise the dead or open blind eyes, which most Westerners think is the epitome of spirituality. It's not. Because it was a gift. You didn't raise their, you didn't, you didn't have enough faith. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. It wasn't you who raised the dead. Are you going to take credit for it? Are you going to take credit for it? And you think that, that is spirituality? According to 1 John chapter 5, it says, He who loves knows God. You want to know who the people who know God? Look at the people who love. If you're a person who knows God, then you know how to love because you know the character and nature of God. Those are the spiritual people. I'm telling you, people that can raise the dead, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with raising the dead. Praise God, I hope we have raising the dead services. That's fine. But if you think that that is the epitome of success, there's a lot of people that can be fantastic evangelists and come back and have a miserable life because they do not know how to live with their wives. They do not know how to treat their children. They don't know anything about true spirituality, but knowing Him. Jesus said, this is eternal life, as we say so often. John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life. That you might know Him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom He sent. That is eternal life. Nowhere does Paul say, take special note of the people with really special gifts and give them high honor and give them great glory and run to their meetings and pour money into their coffers. Make sure they've got Rolexes and very fancy suits. I, I, I've got nothing against prosperity. But if you think that's an epitome of what you're chasing... That ladder is going to come out. That, that ladder you're going to climb is going to come to the top of the wall. And one day, maybe you will be the guy that's doing. And you're going to like, well, this is sure is empty. Because you would have trodden other people and thought you all that in a bag of chips. And you're not. You're, you're, you're not. Neither of it. You know, I'm sorry. You're very special. No, no, but seriously, we, you, you are loved. We are loved equally as much. There is no value in the body of Christ more than God loves us equally as much. You do realize that, right? If God so loved us while we were sinners, you don't qualify for more love because you're fancier or do something because he did it. He paid the price. He gave us all. So we live by grace alone. We, we, accept, we have this by grace. You can't take credit for something that's given to you by grace. It's like you just point to Jesus and you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because it's all you and not me. It's all you and not me. 
tremendo essa rua, né? But, but it's important to realize that, you know, when you know the character of God, when you know, when you know the faithfulness of God, then your faith is in His character. It's not in a promise. We treat promises like, you've heard me say it before, like spells. We want to have an enchanted spell because I came out of the Word of Faith, man. I learned from the Word of Faith. I love faith as it, it, it to be rooted and grounded. It, to take God's Word to the bank is an essential truth we need to know. We need, if you, if you are accepting anything but the Word of God as your final authority, you're on shaky, shaky, shaky ground. We're absolutely. But, but I'm telling you, you can't, you, your, your faith stands because you know God. And when, the more you know Him and His personality and His character, when you know that He is faithful, when you know that He cannot lie, do you know that? Just that fact, you need, to, you, you need to put that in your pipe and smoke it for a few weeks. The God cannot lie. And, and, I, and I mean, just, just think about this. Hebrews 6, 18. So that by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, and he talks about the other one as well, because, it's the, it's, it's because he's given a covenant. So it's a covenant and it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge may have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We can have... Hope because he is, he is faithful. He and he is unchanging. He cannot, cannot, cannot lie. He cannot lie. It says it in Titus 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with uh, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the age began. God who never lies. But you know what? We're not persuaded of this truth. And I've, we've spoken about the whole sowing and the, the parable of the sower. I've, I've given you at length how we process the seed of God's truth into our heart to bear fruit. It takes time to get your heart persuaded because our heart believes. I'm not talking about listening with your head. I'm talking about having your heart bear fruit. Get your heart persuaded. Get your heart, get your belief system persuaded of this truth. God cannot lie. God is faithful to his name, to his covenants, to his word. He cannot. When you know that you know that, guess what? It, all, all those things start coming and you start having peace in the midst of trouble. Because you know that Jesus' peace isn't external, right? It's an internal peace. Jesus never promised us an extra, a peace between men. He spoke about a peace that you can experience in, in this world you'll have trouble. You can experience an internal peace. It's not about an external peace. God never promised that. In fact, to really go and smoke your theology, if you think about that, you can go and meditate on the scripture where Jesus says, I never came to bring peace but a sword. Amen. What does he mean? Because people are saying, oh, yeah, he's bringing peace. Jesus never said that. He is the Prince of Peace. Ultimately, there will be peace. But you can experience peace. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. You can experience peace in the midst of the trouble. But you've got to put these things in your heart, knowing confidently. I know that these, 
guys that have gone before us, they were confident in no matter what trouble came their way, they were confident knowing it's okay. I don't care if they kill me. I'm at peace. But you see, it says, it says that you can be held captive by your fear of death. We think that living is all that. That's most of it's like, because we're so carnal. We live like, we haven't walked, we don't even know what it's like to walk in the Spirit. Sorry, that sounded really bad. We, 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 we barely walk in the Spirit on occasion. We mostly walk in the flesh. We judge things by the flesh. We judge people by the flesh. But you put these things in your heart and you start experiencing peace in the midst of trouble. You start experiencing the kingdom stuff in your heart. So God is not a God that uh, he should lie. Of course, I mentioned this scripture last week, but Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And listen to this in verse 90. Your faithfulness endures through all generations. Even, you know the scripture, right? You've heard it. Even when you're unfaithful, God remains faithful. He, because faithfulness is who he is. So, you, we understand this unchanging character nature of God that he cannot lie. And then the flip side, we've got to understand free will. I, you, you hear me touch on this, but these are the extremes. You can't, there's people, there's denominations, and we're not going to go and name them right now. There's denominations that actually fight. It's a big truth that they will fight against. They say you don't have free will. Really? I don't have free will? No. Everything that happens, so, so, so then why do I have the free will to say whatever I want to about free will? If I couldn't say. <laughs> of course we have free will. God created us with free will. That's the, the reason he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden was so that man had a choice. Because if man had no choice, he could not love. Love is an expression of free will. Without the choice in it, it's not love. If you were automatically matched up with somebody and there was never any choice in it, it would not be love. God had a cho- you. The only thing that makes our worship, like I said a few weeks ago, worship worth anything is because you chose to give it to Him, to come and worship before Him, to adulate Him, to, to, to eulogize Him, to speak well of Him, to speak greatly of Him, because you choose. Free will, free will, free will. You can't, and I know, listen, people will, will fight against that again, because why? Because I like to be just a schmuck that can be, we can be bounced around by whatever wind of doctrine. But I know, I know, because it's like, guys, I, I'm, talking to a, I'm talking to the root of an issue in our society today. I want to blame somebody for my social standing. It's the government. It's my this. It's the that. It's the... I don't know. I don't know what to say. If, if, if you choose to remain in a place like that, then, then you will just play church for the rest of your life. You will play religious games for the rest of life until you decide, I will believe and I will take to heart what he says. And I am going to do and be obedient to what he says. You know? It's, God gave, I'm going to try and wrap this up in a few minutes. God gave earth to mankind. 
Psalm 115, 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So, so just think about this for a second. God who can't lie, free will, he gives the earth to the children of men. Who does it belong to? Mankind. We've spoken, we've gone through a bunch of scriptures there. All of those, we've given, he, he, we, he, we, <laughs> We have authority in this world. Here in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Who's it talking about? Satan. Do you know that Jesus called him the God of this world, the God of this age, the prince of this world? Why does Satan have the power? Because we gave it to him. Why, why was one of the three temptations when, Jesus, when, the, when the devil came to Jesus and said, if you will fall at my feet and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Now, if the devil didn't own it, it wouldn't have been a temptation, peeps. It was and is the devil's. This world in its world system, and we've spoken about the philosophy of men, this belongs to the devil. But the good news for us is that Jesus came to defeat the devil, to take it back. And he has through us, through us, we can take authority. We can enforce his defeat. We can take it. We can take it over our own heads. The Holy Spirit, and, and I wish we could, I mean, teach on this for an extent of time, but but. The Holy Spirit, it's so necessary to listen to Him. That's why we need the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Because we need specific wisdom in all of our dealings. We've spoken about 9-11 before. How come only, like, I, I forget, I mean, I think it was close to 3,000 people passed away, right? Died that day. A thousand of them were first responders, which meant that there were two, roughly 2,000, roughly more or less, I'm just trying to paint with broad strokes here. 2,000 civilians in those towers, which if I'm not mistaken, normally at that time of day had a huge amount of, I forget what it is, I, I don't want to exaggerate too much, but I, I think it was tens of thousands of people in the buildings. And testimony after testimony after testimony was people saying, I woke up, I thought I shouldn't just go into work. I took the day off. I decided to go here first. I decided to go there first. Time after time after time after time after time. Holy Spirit will preserve life and talk to us and speak to you and tell you to. And that's why we need to listen to his voice. Paul says in the book of Acts that while he was praying, the Spirit said to me, get out of Jerusalem. They're not going to accept your message. He listened and he left. What happens if he doesn't? I can tell you what would happen if today's day and age. Oh, God just allowed it to happen. No. No, we, we, we have tools. We have one another. That's why when we bound, you know what? I, Corinne and I, before we moved to America, we nearly made a choice. We had an invitation by Pastor Alan to come and take over missions and media over here. And we thought, oh, no, we're not going to do it. We thought in our hearts we weren't going to take it on because we had just got this Bible school rolling by a satellite Bible school of Jim Richards rolling in South Africa. We had about 70 or so students. It was, we'd spent three years investing and getting it up and running. And we thought just this thing after three years of work was just starting to take off. 
God would never want us to go to America because God wouldn't leave that behind. I tell you what, Karen and I have decided, yeah, let's, that, doesn't make, this doesn't, that doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to us. What does Proverbs 3, 5 say? Tr- don't trust in your understanding, right? But that's what we did. We thought, so, so it was within that same week, thank God for my friends. Within, that, within days, I had three people, two of them called from far distances. One was local, came up to me and said, hey, what about that offer that you told me about? What's happening? And when I told the person what we were thinking, they said, hmm, I think you need to go and pray about that again. Three people. Now, Isaiah 30 says, if you go to the left or the right, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, no, this is the way, walking in it. God's, God's leading most often is correctional more than directional. In other words, go into all the world, he'll tell you if you're going wrong, like we see in the book of Acts. Doesn't sit and wait and wait, for, wait on the sideline until God tells you. God tells you go. Go into the world. If you step into a city that he doesn't want you, he'll tell you. But that's a whole other topic. But I'm just saying that God, that's why we need relationship. If you're not in relationship with somebody, with people, with spiritual people who are walking with you, if you're not, if you're not investing in relationship, getting into life groups if you want to, if you don't, getting into close relationship with them, you, you, those are all method, methods of safety. Otherwise, you're just taking a walk on your own and then blaming God when things go wrong. When Corin went and I went back and we said, okay, Lord, what about this? We felt an immense peace when we prayed about it. Okay, well, we're going to pull the trigger. We're going to go ahead. But Lord, tell us what to do with this Bible school. And then he did. He told us what to do with the Bible school. And he led us. But because we were, we're so, and that's our tendency. Karen and I have a weakness there. We're, we follow our heads quicker than sometimes we follow our hearts. And we've got to be real careful. So we want to be careful. We've got to surround ourselves with good people like you all who can, can say, hey, listen, are you praying about the people that are praying with us? People who, are, when we pray and seek God, you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Now, I, I know that this message, and, and there's so much more I could get into when we talk about the sovereignty of God, but, but I want you to know God is all-powerful, but He has bound Himself. He has said, the earth is the Lord. I mean, has give, the earth has He given to man. It is our responsibility. It is up to us about how we're going to respond to Him. He is not a man that he should lie. We need to establish ourselves in truth. Go do some Bible school courses with Terry and Mel Karras or whatever it needs, needs to happen in your life. If you need to get yourself grounded, rooted, come to, come to Grounded with Keith on Saturday, Saturday evenings. And if you, if you want to get, do you understand healing? Get yourself, get yourself impregnated with the Word of God. Let, there is so much teaching that we have. We've got healing university stuff, materials. There, there is hundreds of hours of good teaching. And I'm not trying to overwhelm you with information. I'm just saying that it's all there for the picking up. But if you'd say, if you say, oh, well, I'm just going to, I, I really don't want to do all that stuff. It's just way easier just to say, God allowed it. No, he didn't. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you can have life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's one sure way you know. If anything is stealing, killing, or destroying, 
It ain't from God. Amen. Amen. Anyhow. I, 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 it is a pet topic of mine. and How God anointed, you know, this other one, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of, by the devil. He is a good doer. He is a healer. He is the healer. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He can, that is, defines his character. He is the healer. You have to be more persuaded about the character of who he says he is than in your religious upbringing that says, God allows. Amen. And, and, and another time we'll talk about, you know, the, the Romans 8, where Romans 8 says, you know, oh, everything happens for the good for those who love God. No, it does not say that. No, it does not say that. And we can study that another time. <laughs> but just close your eyes with me for a minute here. Lord, I, I know through the, the foolishness and the weakness of, of just speaking. But Lord, I pray that your truth resounds in our hearts. Father, thank you for the power that you've given each one of us, the authority that you've granted to each one of us in your name, that you've imparted us, you've given us everything for life and godliness in you, Lord Jesus, everything for life and godliness in you. So we respond to that, Lord. Father, I thank you for the power that we have not to, just to walk in the blessings in our own life, but Father, to be obedient and be a part of this body called the church. That we can rise up, that we can truly represent your love. And I want you to just reiterate that as we close. Remember that as you soak yourself and ground it in the love of God, know, know, know that he loves you and that he is motivated by love for God so loved that he gave. Everything he does is for your good. Everything he does. Everything he does is for your good. He loves you. The first and greatest thing you can ever do is respond to him, to respond to his love, to dwell in his love. Jude says that. He says, therefore, my brethren, just... Pray in the Spirit, right? Keep yourselves in the faith and the love of God. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That is, that word keep is trio. Keep yourself. Guard yourself. Make sure that you are in an environment where you know that you are loved. And you are. You will are loved. You are loved. You are loved. If you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, please, just all you need to do, if you've heard something that has called you, the Holy Spirit has beckoned you, He's pointed something in your heart, all you need to do is say, Jesus. And sometimes that's enough. You just say, Jesus. And He knows what you mean. When you mean it from your heart, when you cry out and say, Jesus, I need you. You cry out for understanding, insight, wisdom, and knowledge. You seek Him. You place Him first. He'll reach out to you, minister to you. Amen. We have, uh, as we, when we close over here, the Holy Spirit, um, I mean, we, uh, we have, the Holy Spirit will definitely 
minister to your hearts and through our, our prayer ministers too. If you have, uh, if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, or if you would like somebody to agree with you in prayer, Amen. Then you can just uh, just come and talk to Steve and Elise, or I'm, I'm not sure who else is is um, is going to be on prayer ministry duty here, but but just come to the front, Keith and whoever. Um, know that you are loved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just commit each heart to you today. Father, thank you that we grow together. I thank you for boldness to rise up in us. Father, I thank you that we respond to the call of your Holy Spirit. Father, we say yes to you in every area because we want your way. We want this abundant life that you've come to give us. We respond to that call to life more abundantly. We embrace that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, love you. Have a great day. If you have problems with what I said, I'm, a, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not packing up my bag. Come and, come and chat to us. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday if you're coming to Overflow. And don't forget um, to be remembered as Saturday at 9 a.m.